This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 47, Personal Finance. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, how's that stay? Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and uh, you've tuned in to another episode of That's in the Bible, episode 47, Personal Finance. It's good to have you listening and joining us here today, and we have everyone on board again. We've got uh, Matthew. Say hi, Matt. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say hi. (laughs) Remind me of the old Fat Albert show there. Uh, and uh, next, uh, Pastor uh, Strobel. Yes, sir. Here I am. And uh, Pastor Steve. Hey, amen. So everybody's here, and uh, let's start with the uh, youngster of the group. Matt, what's new? Uh, not a whole lot new. Just uh, got over a little bit of a sickness this past weekend. Uh, I missed the Youth of Blaze, so I was kind of disappointed about that. But uh, the weekend before, I uh, went out street preaching. It was a blizzard out there, and... Uh, I went, uh, I actually got up in, early in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, and went out to my car to go to get some food. And uh, since I don't store any food at my house, and uh, <laughs> went out there. And uh, by the time I got to my car, I was so cold. I was like, Lord, how in the world am I going to go out and street preach for an hour and a half out in this freezing cold when I can't even stand just walking out to my car? And uh, so after I got some food, I was like, this is it. So I went to uh, Target. They didn't have any. Um, you know, gloves and hats and all that kind of stuff. So then I went to Walmart. They didn't have anything. So I finally went to Dick's Sporting Goods and uh, got a whole bunch of uh, Under Armour stuff. And, and uh, it was really good. I, w- I went out there and, uh, you know, I've complained before about street preaching in the freezing cold. And, and this time I, I was ready to stay out there even longer now. So so it was good. We had a good street preaching experience. And that uh, was uh, Brother Dominic Morrow and I. And uh, preached for about an hour and a half. Most people were miserable because uh, it was a blizzard, <laughs> so uh, nobody wanted to stick by and talk. But uh, but it was good. We got gospel tracks out and and got the word of God out. So I just thank the Lord there for uh, warm clothing out in this Syracuse weather. Amen. And uh, Pastor Steve. Well, there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, just doing the normal things that we normally do. Uh, Going to be preaching at uh, City Mission tomorrow and. And uh, Matt had mentioned uh, Youth Ablaze. I was able to get up for Friday night. I think my wife and daughter were able to go Thursday and Friday. So had a good time. I uh, enjoyed myself. It was uh, a bit different. I think Pastor Strobel could probably attest to that and probably give more detail on that. But uh, none of them are the same. And, uh, you know, some of the kids and the workers that were that went from our church kind of uh, stayed the same. Um, you know, their testimony was, you know, they've learned over the years not to go with any preconceived notions and try to make it like it was the year before and just basically have themselves prayed up and, and wait for the Lord to to give them what they have and what he has in store for them at that particular time. And uh, they came back, uh, really uh, enjoyed it and, and rejuvenated. So it was, it was a good time. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. And uh, we're recording this in the beginning of March, so you went in February. 
Right. And, and I know the weather where I live was very bad. I mean, they closed all the schools and uh, the roads were bad, a lot of accidents and things. How was your drive in from Buffalo? Well, actually, we, we went in the evening, and, and uh, when we left, there was sunshine, and wow. the roads were just wet. Although, on the way there, uh, on uh, uh, I-90, uh, which is the major road going east and west, um, there were several uh, tractor trailers that were off and jackknifed, and I had one that had the whole cab off of the tractor, which is the, the power or the motored part of the semi, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it was the the whole top. I mean, was just completely off of the truck. You could see the seats and the wheel and everything wow. else like, all exposed. <laughs> so I don't know what happened to the guy that was driving that. But uh, trailers were all over the place. Cars were in the ditch and so forth. Mm-hmm. And talked to the people that had stayed there from our group, uh, and they said they had quite a treacherous time coming in uh, from the hotels to. Uh, the uh, Roberts Wesleyan College, where the where the rally was, and then even though it looks like Chile, is that pronounced Chile? It's Chile, Chile, New York. All right, and Pastor Strobel. Yes, uh, we did get a chance to go. We got to take our young people and um, uh, some of some adults as well uh, for 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 part of it, uh, and and uh, a number of us for all of it. Um, and so we were able to stay over. We got there Thursday. The weather was not bad. The bad weather hit Friday, uh, well, Thursday in the night or early morning while we were sleeping. And we got up Friday, and uh, it was coming down uh, fast and furious. In spite of that, um, the, the trip was slow to get there, but it went well. Uh, where we were, um, the route that we took, everybody was driving sensibly. They weren't trying to do too much, and uh, we <laughs> I didn't for that. actually didn't see anybody off the road or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, in spite of the weather, there was really a good crowd. Everybody seemed to make it out there Amen. on Friday, uh, other than people that may have been coming from afar. We actually had some of our folks come um, from the uh, uh, Williamsville area. They came and drove out on Friday morning, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they made it fine, mm-hmm. uh, although... You know, so we, we may not have recommended them to do that, but uh, they were excited to get out there and had a good time. Uh, so it was a good time. In regard to the Friday night service that Steve was uh, referencing, uh, it was a little different. There were there, Brother Roscoe was planning on having two preachers preach. Um, the first preacher really, really sensed that uh, the Lord didn't want him to preach. And then the second preacher got up and, and was kind of heading that way as well. And so it wound up being one of those invitations. And um, I was, you know, I... I like to have preaching, no matter how good it gets. I, 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 what happens is there's people that come out to uh, services, and that's the only one they come to. Right. And some of them were going to be there. And I was very pleased when uh, we had gone for a while already, and it was all said and done. And uh, you know, the the second preacher asked Pastor Roscoe what he wanted him to do. And he said he wanted him to go ahead and preach, and he did. Mm-hmm. So um, I was very glad for that. Uh, I think I think when we have a service like that and no preaching takes place, there may be a lot of other good things that take place. But um, there's some people that miss their only opportunity for preaching, and mm-hmm. and that's just uh, I, I'm glad that he preached, and the message was well worth hearing. Amen. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yeah, I was uh, not happy that I missed it, but uh, Pastor Matt from uh, our church here in Vestal, he did take uh, take the van up and and with uh, folks from our church and. That was the first time they'd gone, and uh, 
what was a two-hour drive turned into a five-hour drive. Um, But they had a great time, and he he was really glad, and I know a lot of the people that went uh, enjoyed it. So that that was good for them. Amen. So, and uh, it's your uh, topic tonight on personal finances that uh, comes at a good time, especially since uh, the the economic uh, crisis that the the whole country seems to be in these days. And I don't know, yeah. if, I don't know if you were on online yet, Steve, when we were talking about this. But the school I work at, um, they, they talked about over twenty seven teachers being laid off for next year. Wow. And so that's a big chunk, you know. They cut the uh, physics department. They cut uh, music in the uh, fifth grade. Uh, they cut. Um, they cut out of the five counselors. They cut two of their positions from the high school, and um, a bunch of bunch of other things were cut. Mm. So you know, it's just the signs of the times that the uh, the lack of state aid and and uh, you know the taxpayers weren't going to stand for a huge tax increase, so they just had to cut programs and all of those things. So I think, um, you know, as we look at the news and, and hear about folks tightening their belts all across the all across the nation, that personal finance is a uh, timely topic. There wasn't anybody sitting in the administration office uh, with, with placards and signs and promising not to leave, <laughs> were there? <laughs> Like in Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana. No, no we didn't. Uh, we didn't. Uh, that may come shortly. <laughs> well, it's you know, whenever somebody has to take responsibility and do that, tighten the belt. Nobody likes it, and uh, even those that are staying really don't like it. I mean, they might be relieved that they're still staying and have a job, but. Uh, I don't think anybody really cares for that, but it's still, you know, got to be the responsible thing to do. And uh, so, I think, I'm sure Pastor Strobel will probably cover some of that. I think stuff, there's but. some some issue though in the way the uh, state aid was cut. You know, it's just kind of cut across the board, and mm-hmm. and some school districts were affected um, more so than others um, that had other sources of, I think, revenue and. And just size-wise and things like that, but mm-hmm. it's the way things go. And and uh, folks listening in are probably wondering the Bible. What does the Bible actually say about personal finance? So Amen. this this should be this should be good. Amen. What else? Anything else we want to talk about? We didn't really do a lot of pre-show warm-up, <laughs> you know, beyond <laughs> uh, what, what we're going to cover today. So there's no quote of the day ready, and. Um, I know Pastor Strobel's ready to begin. He's chomping at the bit. So, are you ready, Pastor Strobel? He's pulling a Utica on us now. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I did answer. I had my microphone muted. <laughs> that's that's oh. my trick, brother. <laughs> see, old, see old cough button. <laughs> So did we catch you on a you, you No, I did. Get... I did answer. I said. I said sure anytime. Right. So, well, let's go ahead and go. And if we have other things to say, we can we can tag them at the end of the show. Amen. All right, here we go. All 
Amen. Why don't we go ahead and begin with the word of prayer. Father, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to meet um, uh, using this technology and to uh, study your word. I pray for enlightenment. I pray for wisdom. I pray for uh, anybody that tunes in to listen to this that uh, especially needs the help. Would you help them? Would you help them to understand what the Bible says? Would you help them to apply it and give them the grace and uh, help them, Lord, just to... uh, uh, take the disciplinary measures that it needs, uh, that needs to be taken uh, for them to, as it's necessary, get their finances in order. Help us tonight, Lord, we pray, and thank you for uh, a recourse, a place to come uh, to your throne and to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> tonight, is, um, it's already been introduced, we're going to really be talking about a subject that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, and that's uh, money. And uh, we're going to talk about your, your personal money and your personal finance. And when it comes to the Bible, there's so many different things in the Bible, so many different topics that are covered, and there's a lot more than most people realize. And money is one of those topics. And uh, God himself is not a, unaware of the role that money plays in life on earth, and he's got a lot to say about it in the scriptures. Um, as in all things, God's thoughts and God's ways are higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts. And we ourselves would do well to learn and to apply what the Lord has to say uh, regarding our personal finances. Uh, His way is the best way, no matter what subject you're dealing with. It always has been and it always will be. Uh, He's the only wise God and he knows what he's talking about. The wise uh, individual on this earth will take heed to what he's got to say and will apply it. Um, The scriptures themselves will show you how to have God's blessing on your finances. And when I say that, that's not to say that everyone that follows God's way is going to become financially rich in this life. But what I will say is that you can become financially secure knowing that God will take care of you. Uh, When I say financially secure, I'm I'm speaking of it differently than to the world. Financial security is um, knowing they've got all kinds of money in the bank or in stocks invested and, and they can draw from it. Um, but the Bible speaks of riches as being uncertain riches, and uh, t- it warns us not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. And uh, I want to try to help you see tonight that if you'll do that, if you'll trust in the living God and uh, prioritize your, your finances the way he tells you to, that you can be financially secure knowing that God will take care of you. And so we're going to jump right in. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the promise. Um, when I say the promise, uh, if you know the Bible... And if you're familiar with scriptures uh, regarding what the Lord has to say about taking care of you, when I say the promise, um, perhaps the the very verse I'm going to direct my my attention to at the beginning, uh, direct your attention to, is what comes to mind. And that verse is Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19. And every Christian ought to become well acquainted with this promise. And the promise goes uh, as such, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You, if you haven't already, will likely come to a place in your life where you're going to need to claim this promise. Uh, The needs will be high and the funds will be low. And it's uh, under such conditions that many a Christian before you has fled to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 to take refuge and cleave to this promise of God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some years ago, somebody uh, from our church gave me um, a, a small plaque with Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 on it. And um, I, I like having scriptures hanging on uh, my walls here at home. Um, and uh, I put that up there. We, we've got it up uh, today. And um, 
Uh, the small dining room off our kitchen uh, hangs there uh, even now. <clears throat> but I want to uh, first look at this promise, and, and as we look at it, uh, let's notice some important things about the promise. Uh, first of all, the promise is a promise to supply your need, your need. The verse does not say that God will supply all your greed, but all your need. Uh, we've got to be careful about overstretching ourselves on things that aren't needs and then expecting God to bail us out. Uh, if you do that, uh, you, you might be surprised to find that even if you claim that promise, he doesn't bail you out. Uh, certainly not as quick as you hoped he would anyway. Something else about that promise is this, and this is uh, often overlooked, if not almost always overlooked. And if, you, if you'll look in your Bible, uh, if you've got it handy, get it out and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to see that the context of Philippians 4 verse 19 shows that this was a promise given to givers. A promise that was given to people uh, who already gave. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse number 14. Where Paul says, notwithstanding, ye have well done that, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Notice the usage of the word communicate here as uh, having to do with giving. Uh, this is the same way it's used in Hebrews chapter 13 when communicating is spoken of as a uh, spiritual sacrifice. Uh, he calls it communicating. Um, and, and it's interesting today, you know, this was uh, people sending to Paul to, to give him money. And uh, we really use communication in the church and our giving uh, by way of sending money to uh, missionaries. Um, we communicate with them. We send them a, a check to them or to their mission board. And uh, that's a form of communication. And, and the check goes in there and, and they receive it. Uh, I suppose bills are paid that way uh, as well. But in this, this context, uh, this is um, somebody giving of their free will to help Paul. And he calls it, calls it communicating. And he says it's as concerning giving and receiving. Uh, again, Philippians 4.15. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, like it's in Hebrews 13, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What have they been doing? They had communicated with Paul concerning giving and receiving. They sent uh, to take care of Paul's uh, material needs. And it was in this context that Paul said then in the next verse, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So it's worth noting that this promise was a promise given to givers. Uh, another thing that we want to notice about this promise is that this promise was preceded by instructions in Philippians chapter 4 uh, regarding living righteously. And uh, we'll start in, in verse number 1, where Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly, dearly beloved. I beseech Odeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He was exhorting these people to uh, be of the same mind, to, to get along. Down in verse number four, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. 
The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, unto God. He's continuing to exhort them uh, regarding uh, living righteously. Uh, he gives some promises uh, uh, with that in verse number 7. Verse number 8, he exhorts them to think on uh, proper things. In verse number 9, he says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So he's exhorting these people to follow uh, the example that uh, he set uh, forth before him. And then verse number 11, he would say, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Uh, it's just worth noting that, uh, and, and by the way, right after that, he'll get into the passage. Um, he'll say, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And then I'll get into the passage I just read you uh, concerning their giving leading up to the, uh, the promise. But uh, as I look at this verse, again, we don't want to overlook the fact that it's a promise to supply our need. It was a promise given to givers, and it was preceded by instructions to live righteously. So that's, that's the main promise that a Christian tends to cling to in, uh, in time of uh, financial need. And so you want to remember that. It's Philippians 4.19. Become familiar with the promise. Become familiar with the chapter. Uh, a second promise I want to bring out uh, for you to just notice is Matthew 6, verse 33. And this is another place that uh, you might need to learn to run. And uh, I have uh, learned that learned this by experience, uh, to run here for financial shelter. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the context of that verse, again, has to do with God supplying our material need. And I'm going to back it up, and I'm going to read... Uh, beginning in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24, and we'll lead up to that verse so you can see what uh, the Lord was talking about uh, leading up to it. He says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling them not to take any thought for their life. What's he talking about? What ye shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Um, I want to point out that phrase, take no thought. It shows up um, a lot here in this passage or in, in some form or another. And he's telling them not to take thought. What do we do when we, when we take thought in, in regard to the things he's talking about? It's, we call it worry. We worry about it. We think about it. We let it weigh our minds down. How am I going to make ends meet? And how, how am I going to get these bills paid? And how am I going to do this? And how am I going to uh, do that? And where am I going to get my clothes and my food? And the Lord's saying, don't take any thought for that. He said, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? It's your clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You might want to let those little words at the end of the verse just be a rebuke to you when necessary. O ye of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. 
And he's trying to tell you as a child of God, hey, the world's worried about all this stuff. And, and are they not worried about it? I mean, um, isn't that what a, a lot of the frantic stuff that's going on and even in the news today and, and has been for years, it's so much is about money and, and how are we going to have enough to do this and enough to do that? And uh, we think ourselves, I think, sometimes poor when we, we really are, we have an abundance. <laughs> well, arguably, uh, when you compare us to the rest of the world, um, uh, the poor Americans, the poorest of Americans, oftentimes are richer uh, than um, uh, people in other countries that um, are, are just normal folks. It was there that the Lord uh, would, would go on to say, I'll start in verse 32 again, but it, but he'd go on to quote the verse I gave you from uh, the, the reference, remember it, Matthew six thirty three. But verse 32 first says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, he says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are the things? The things are your, your needs of food, your needs of clothing. God will take care of you if you'll put him first. Let's, let's go one more. The last verse of the chapter, Matthew six thirty four. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. That's the next day, tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And the Lord's letting you know uh, that uh, you, you may be worrying about tomorrow, but to what you ought to do is you take care of what you can today. And what you're supposed to take care of is putting the Lord first, seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first his righteousness, and then these material things will be added unto you. What happens out in the world is they spend their time seeking after those things. And God tells us, instead of seeking after those things, you seek the Lord first, and he'll add those things to you. And uh, instead, we, we kind of spend a lot of our energy and effort seeking after the things that God said he'd add to us if we'd seek him first. Now, this is not by any means to say that uh, Christians shouldn't work. Uh, we have, um, from the New Testament, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, what's been called the uh, Judeo-Christian work ethic, which says, uh, if any man would not work, you know, neither should he eat. And, uh, and that's the truth on that. Um, and that's uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4. And uh, I'm trying to get the reference here for you uh, where, where he talks about it. And um, uh, I'm not seeing it at the moment. So uh, we can maybe figure that out later on. <laughs> uh, but if any man would not work, uh, neither, neither shall he uh, eat. And uh, you know how it is if, uh, if you are a preacher, uh, you, want to f- you can't just stop without finding that reference. So I'm going to dig it up for you here, uh, lest my mind be stuck on it. Um, give it to you in just a moment. It's not First Thessalonians 4, that's why I can't find it. I've got another one, First Thessalonians 4, I'll get it uh, a little bit later on. But it's 2 Thessalonians 3.10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3.10. For even when we were with you, this week commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And that's what, what they call the Judeo-Christian work ethic. As if you don't work, you don't eat. And uh, uh, that, that's a good motivating factor if we would apply that thing to our life because uh, old people like to eat, don't they? All right, so this is the promise. The second promise is that if we put the Lord first, he's going to take care of our needs. So you take care of God's business, and then God will take care of your business regarding uh, your needs. <clears throat> now, I want to give you um, 
I'm going to give you a, a little synopsis. We'll take, we're going to take this part and spend some time here in this, in this next section. A little synopsis of, um, of uh, where your money goes. We'll call this the four categories of spending. And uh, as I got thinking about this uh, some years ago, um, the Lord put this thing together uh, in my mind uh, in a very simplistic way. And uh, there's four categories of all the money that we spend, as all, all the money that we, we, all the ways that we disperse our money. Um, we can divide all of these up into four categories, and everything that we spend, where we put our money, will fit into one of these categories. And those categories are needs, wants, bills, and God. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40 tells us, let all things be done decently and in order. And uh, what I want to begin with in, in this section is to help you uh, get your finances in order. Um, God has a proper order in which we are to disperse our finances. <clears throat> your financial well-being depends on uh, the following things. Uh, first and foremost, God's blessing. And then it depends on your heart being right with God. And then it depends on your following of God's order in spending your money. And so I gave, I gave you the categories in no particular order other than they weren't the order of priority. And now we're going to address each category in its proper order uh, one at a time. And the first category, the first priority of our money, where it ought to go, uh, is God. Our first priority in all things is God. The first and great commandment is, um, uh, thou in Exodus 20, verse 3, it's thou shalt have no other gods before me. And as it's quoted in Matthew, it's, ta- it's said that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. This is the first and, and great commandment. So it's God first. We already read in Matthew 6.33, we're to seek the Lord first. Um, Matthew 6.24, we had read also, says you cannot serve God and mammon. So, so the Lord ought to come first. Uh, some people don't want to put him first because, as it says in First Timothy 6, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So the Lord really ought to come first. That is if you want God's blessing on your finances. You can try it some other way, uh, and you may, maybe you have, and I just might ask you, how's that work for you? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I just want to interject that that new wine is not fermented liquor, but it's uh, fresh-pressed uh, wine, fresh-pressed juice of the grape. It's not been fermented, and that's what he's talking about there. But that's another subject. Uh, but, uh, but he says, if you honor the Lord with your, with your substance, you honor him with the first fruits of all that increase, uh, then the Lord's going to honor you by uh, blessing you in a material way. And it's a promise that God gives you here to bless you materially when you obey his admonition to honor him with the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruits. What does that mean? That's him first. It's Jesus first. It's God first. The Lord's a great king. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And our finances ought to go to him first. And I'm, I'm just going to say, because we're, we're not going to get away from this. We're going to eventually be talking about uh, giving here. And we're about to dive right into it. And let me just say this. Uh, this giving we're going to talk about isn't uh, for you to, to send in money to this podcast. Uh, this, this is not a, um, uh, a televangelistic program asking for your money. 
We don't take don't we, we don't ask for donations. We've never been offered one. I was about to say we don't take them, but we've never been offered any. We're not looking for any. And uh, the the fact of the matter is that uh, for your blessing, you got to learn to to give to God first. So when I'm going to tell you to give first and foremost, uh, it's going to be in regard to giving to your local church. And um, I want to say this: if you Any church where they believe the Bible, uh, where they hold to the old King James. Hopefully, you can find one like that in your area, and uh, that practices practices it, and go to that church. And then, uh, when you honor the Lord first and foremost, honor Him there uh, in the area of um, giving. And we honor God in regard to giving. There's two ways that we we do this, and they are called uh, tithes and offerings. Now, this program is called That's in the Bible, and guess what? Uh, that's in the Bible, tithes, and a lot of people uh, bristle. And I don't, if you knew me as a preacher, uh, and you're at our church, uh, you would hear me speak of this subject very rarely. Um, I I hesitate to speak uh, on it because of the fact that it's been so abused and misused. So when I have folks come to the church, I don't want them uh, to, to just hear me talking about money, money, money. But every once in a while, I have to instruct them in that regard if I'm going to give them the whole counsel of God. And um, to, to not do so is really to do a disservice to people that, that need to, to understand uh, about it. Even so, I, I, probably do it, I probably do it less than I ought to. But uh, two ways that we honor God in regard to giving are with tithes and offerings. And um, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Lord had told Israel that they had robbed God in these areas. He said this in Malachi 3.8, uh, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. He would go on to tell them uh, in verse 9, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then in verse 10 he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And that's why we uh, make application for New Testament times to bringing the tithes into the local church where uh, you go and, and you get fed. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. As we saw in Proverbs chapter 3, we see here in Malachi chapter 3, God's blessing in regard to you giving, in regard to you honoring him with your first fruits. In this case, specifically, uh, tithing. Now, we talk about tithing. A tithe is simply a tenth. We talk about tithing. Uh, we're talking about giving God a tenth of what he gives to you. In that, we honor him with our first fruits. Uh, if the Lord were to give you um, a check, you would look at the gross uh, amount of that check uh, before taxes and honor God with your first fruits. You would give him a tenth of that. Um, a tithe being a tenth, you can see that in the scriptures. Well, I won't quote it for you, but I'll give you a reference uh, that you can look up. It's Leviticus chapter 27 and verse number 32. You can see it defined as a tenth uh, there. Uh, Jacob himself also told the Lord that he would give him a tenth of all the Lord gave to him in Genesis 28 verse 22, and that's, uh, that's tithing. Now, um, 
as I'm saying this, uh, it's likely that I'm, I'm talking to somebody who's uh, bristling against this and rebelling against it, uh, saying, here we are in New Testament times, and, we're, and that tithing is, is something that's just for the Old Testament. It was, it was given under the law, some people say, so Christians not obligated to tithe in New Testament times. If that's what you think and believe, I, I hope that you'll listen just for a few moments, because uh, we should note some following truths. Number one, Tithing was first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 20 when Abraham tithed, uh, giving tithes to Melchizedek. This was before the law. The law wasn't given until Exodus chapter 20. Abraham himself is given uh, as a type of our salvation in uh, Genesis chapter or in uh, Romans chapter 4. And Paul doesn't hesitate to uh, apply uh, Abraham to your uh, New Testament salvation. Um, and I'm sure you're glad to apply him, apply him that way, as uh, as it was mentioned there. I believe it's in Romans chapter 4, as I quoted. But in um, uh, in the area of tithing, would you be willing to follow his example there? So just notice that Abraham, before the law was given, uh, was tithing. And uh, something else you want to notice is you don't read anywhere where God told Abraham in the Bible to tithe. And I mentioned Jacob tithing in Genesis 28. You don't read anywhere where the Lord told Jacob to tithe, but they both did. And apparently, uh, the Lord just taught them on the inside. Apparently, having been taught of God by his spirit, they just seemed instinctively to know that they should tithe. I believe just like Christians instinctively know that they should tithe, in spite of their protest to the contrary. And uh, they do tend to protest. You say, well, that's still Old Testament. All right, let, let me help you out. Let's go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. In the New Testament here, Jesus tells the people they should be tithing. If you, uh, if you lend any credence to what Jesus says, and I hope that you do. Matthew 23, verse 23, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Somebody says, oh boy, yeah, see, uh, here they're tithing, he's rebuking them for it. Uh, don't stop the verse before it's finished. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done. Other undone. He said, uh, you shouldn't have left any of them undone. It wasn't wrong that you were tithing. Uh, what was wrong was you didn't have the judgment, mercy, and faith. So uh, the weightier matters were those things, the, the inside, the spiritual matters. But uh, if the inside's right, the outside ought to follow. And the problem with the Pharisees is they would get the outside uh, right, or at least looking good, but they wouldn't have the inside right. He says, so he said, these ought ye to have done, the judgment, mercy, and faith, and not to leave the other, done, uh, not, not leave the other undone, uh, tithing as they were of mint, anise, and cumin. Now, tithing won't get you to heaven. I hope that uh, you know that. But it is the first thing that you should do with the money that the Lord allows to come your way. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 9, referring um, to the Old Testament, it says, And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham. I just find it interesting that the Lord talks about uh, tithing in that uh, way. He says that they, he, he paid tithes. He paid tithes. In other words, it was like they it was like something they owed. 
um, we pay, you know, we tend to think of tithes as, as giving. And uh, I'm not saying there's no element of that to it. I, I would say it's the starting place for giving. But uh, as we see in a mo- as we see here, and we'll see more in a moment, uh, there's something that goes beyond tithing in, in regards to giving. And tithing is our, our obligation. Uh, the tithes are, are the Lord's. Uh, tithing's a starting place, but it's your choice. You can choose to tithe or you can choose not to tithe. But uh, let me remind you uh, of something. Principle-wise, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, it says, There is, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Scattereth in the idea of um, of seed, uh, and uh, this that's an abused terminology used in, in regard to, to giving. But uh, nonetheless, we'll see we'll we'll, we'll use it because it's in the scriptures. We just won't abuse it. Uh, there is that scattereth, like you would scatter seed, uh, and yet increaseth because it plants itself and grows. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. It's it's somebody giving, and he says, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, m e e t but it tendeth to poverty. Context, next verse. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. The idea is that you give, and then the Lord will again give back to you. He'll reward you for it. And the idea of withholding more than is meat, I believe that'll apply to a Christian who doesn't want to tithe. Somebody says, well, it's New Testament. We're, we're grace-giving. We, we just give according to grace. Well, let me ask you if, you, if you don't even give a tenth, would you call that grace? You might call it a disgrace. All right, now, after tithing, we saw in Malachi chapter 3 uh, that the people said, the Lord said that the people had robbed in tithes and offerings. And there's the other way that um, uh, we might give. Anything that you give above the tithe is an offering. Uh, after you've taken care of your tithe and your other financial obligations, you might want to give an offering. Offerings are things that we might give to missions. Um, you might give an offering to help the needy uh, or other proper causes or other people that you desire to help. This will be something above your tithe. Uh, a lot of churches, what the people will do is they will, in addition to their tithe, they'll come to some sort of a prayerful uh, idea with God as uh, to giving to missions and just on a regular basis, they will give uh, money along with their tithe, they'll give their tithe, and above uh, above that, they'll set aside some money for missions to so to so help the church's missionary program. Um, I think that's a tremendous investment. I think if you're not involved in missions giving, I, I would highly recommend that you get involved in it, and uh, I, I would recommend that you systematically give to missions just like you tithe. And and, and if you don't tithe, we'll start there. But uh, even if you start out at a dollar a week or five dollars a week. Um, that's a little bit of investment that can go a long way. And uh, I, when you get to heaven, you won't regret uh, having given money to missions. And there'll be some people that'll come around and thank you as uh, your contribution to help them to get the gospel and to get saved. Now, just like you, you can choose to tithe or you can choose not to tithe, you can also choose to give offerings above the tithe or you can choose not to do so. <laughs> the choice is yours. Whatever you choose, it has been well said by many a preacher uh, you can't outgive God. And we've already seen some promises in regard to giving where the Lord will give back to you. I don't say that ought to be your motivating factor, but I tell you what, it is a fringe benefit of giving. In Luke 6, verse 38, it says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. 
And again, I, I, don't, I don't say this to, for this to be a motivating factor, but perhaps an insurance factor for you. Because some people think, man, this just doesn't make good sense on paper. I figure it out, and if I give more to God, how, how, can I, how am I going to be able to make it? If I give anything to God, I, I was already tight as it is. But what happens is then the Lord adds his blessing uh, to your uh, financial situation, and uh, he may bring in money from someplace that you weren't ever even expecting. Or he may uh, lower a bill or take care of it some other way. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, it says, in, this, in the context of this verse, as we'll see in a moment, is giving. But it says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So the Lord put these things in the Bible so that we would be aware of the fact that he does bless and give back uh, for our giving. Matter of fact, there's so many verses that deal with um, with this, these things and, and with money that uh, we're just going to get off to a good start in this uh, this study. There'll be many more that we uh, won't even cover. Uh, the book of Proverbs is uh, is replete with them. Let's um, before we leave this uh, subject of giving, let's consider some other lessons regarding giving. I'm going to read you now from Matthew chapter 12 and verses 41 through 44. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. I'll tell you, one of the first things this thing uh, teaches us here is that uh, everybody can give. Everybody can give something. Sometimes uh, well-meaning people will will pray before an offering, and they might say, Lord, bless those that that give and bless those that can't give. And I'm not being critical of them praying that way. But when you think about it logically, uh, really all of us can give something. Um, You can probably scrape up a penny somewhere to give. And so um, here's a, a widow who didn't have much, but she wanted to give to the Lord, and she did. And I want to point out a couple things from this passage. It says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Notice a couple things. First of all, Jesus was watching them as they gave. And the Lord watches us as we give. And he watches them, and here's what he watches for. Among other things, it says he beheld how. The people cast money into the treasury. He's watching how you do it. That is to say, the Lord's interested in your motive and in, 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 in the way that you give, not just in that you give. He wants you to give with the right heart. Remember the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 23? They were given, but he rebuked them because their heart wasn't right. Now, uh, the pastor might not care if your heart's right when you give, but the Lord cares. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, He gives us great uh, instruction regarding how we give. He says, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. You're not supposed to try to do it to impress other people. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. This should not be our motivating factor. But he goes on, he says, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
Um, you ever? I'll give you. I'll give you the opposite of this. In other words, somebody that's not following this instruction. You ever see the a picture in a newspaper uh, or online or a video clip or a news clip of people? Uh, giving these gigantic oversized checks as donations to, to a charitable organization. Um, you know, what? why do they do that? Well, it's it's publicity. It's everybody looking and, and thinking, wow, aren't they something? But you know what? That's not given like the Lord wants you to give. You, you want to help somebody out, don't do it for, for uh, tax uh, or publicity that you can write off on your taxes. I'm saying is not that nothing wrong with writing writing off your giving on your taxes, but I'm saying it's they're doing it for publicity. They're doing it so people will see them, and uh, if you're doing it so people can see you, well, you've got your reward. In Romans chapter twelve, verse uh, six through eight, it says, "Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching." Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. With simplicity. And that's how we ought to give. With simplicity. You know? Uh, s- simply sometimes just you know, throwing your uh, money in an offering plate. S- simply sending it off uh, quietly uh, to somebody that you want to help. Uh, quietly given without a big, without a big to-do. And uh, that's, that's how we ought to give. Now, we quoted you before, read you from Second Corinthians nine verse six about him that sown sown sparingly, a guy sown sparingly and reaping sparingly, or sparingly or sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully. Uh, let me give you uh, the next verse right after that because he's talking about giving, as I said, and he says, "Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give." And this will speak also uh, about our motive. He says in regard to uh, so let him give. He says not grudgingly. You ought not do it because you feel like you have to, or of necessity. Not like you, like you feel like, well, I, I, I got to do this because they need it. Oh, no. He says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You, from your heart, ought to want to give something back in the area of finances to a God who's been so good and so giving to you. I'm going to tell you, if you ever realize where your bread is buttered, it isn't going to bother you to give God uh, a tithe. I mean, everything that you've got has come from God. And, and you'll find out this truth if you'll practice it. You can live better off of 90% of your income giving God 10% than you can off of 100% of your income and not giving God your tithe. I have, and there may, there may be there's somebody out there like this, but I have never met him. I've never met somebody who has faithfully tithed as they lived right with the Lord that has had to declare bankruptcy. But I do know some Christians, more than one, that have had to declare bankruptcy that were not uh, faithful in regard to their tithing. I believe the Lord will bless your finances. You put them forth. And I, I believe it's not just an arbitrary belief, but we've seen from the scriptures. <laughs> Let me bring out one other thing from this passage before we move on to um, uh, the second thing in the order of giving. And from this passage in uh, Mark chapter 12, When Jesus uh, assessed it, he said, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast more in than all uh, they which have cast into the treasury. And that uh, helps me to recognize uh, this truth. God does not figure the value of your gift on the basis of how much you put in, but on how much you have left after you give. And that's something to think about.
All right. We're talking about now the four areas of, uh, of spending or the four uh, areas of, uh, of finances where your money goes. And uh, we said, number one, uh, the first area uh, in this categories of spending is God. He ought to have first place. The first thing you ought to do with uh, your money when you get it is uh, set aside your tithe and uh, get that to God. Now, the second thing. The second thing uh, is your bills. After tithing, the next area to direct your finances is to your bills. Uh, bills represent money that you owe for things or for services that you've purchased. It may also represent something else, which I'll mention later. But uh, generally speaking, bills are, are money that we owe for things that we've purchased or for services that we've purchased. Now, when it comes to these categories, these four categories, you might see some apparent overlap in these categories. For example, uh, another category that we mentioned is needs. We haven't come to that in order yet, but you might have a bill for a need. You also might have a bill for a want, another uh, category of spending. But whatever the case is, whether, whether you, when, you, when it you ha- becomes a bill, whether it's a want or whether it's a need, when it becomes a bill, its priority status is elevated to number two when that bill's due. Jeremiah says in chapter 22 of verse 13, in verse 13 of his book, Woe unto him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness, and his chambers by wrong, that useth his neighbor's service without wages, and giveth him not for his work. Uh, we, a lot of times, can be guilty of doing that. I say we, I, I don't try to do that myself, but I mean, God's people themselves can be guilty uh, about uh, getting things, buying them maybe on credit and then not wanting to pay for it or using a service that they've signed up for and then um, not wanting to pay the money when it's due. And uh, that's, not, um, that's not being a good Christian if you are using these things, uh, building your house, building your life, the things that you get, acquiring them unrighteously, using your neighbor's service and not paying him for it and uh, not giving him for his work. And uh, this is somebody that you would have agreed that, okay, you're going to do this or I'm going to buy this from you and, and you're going to get so much. And you agreed to it. You signed off on it. And then you don't want to pay, uh, pay for it. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. So here's a wicked man. Uh, he'll borrow and he, and he won't pay again. And as God says, that's wicked. It's wicked for you to borrow money and then not pay back with show. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where I was trying to go before when it was 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.10. But here's 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse number 11, and then continuing to verse 12, it says, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. We are to work uh, so that we can pay uh, the people that we owe money and that we can have our needs taken care of and have a lack of nothing. But we're to, we're, to, we're to work with our own hands so we can walk honestly, honestly toward them that are without. It is dishonest to agree to pay for goods, whatever they might be, whether it's the material goods or services from a doctor or a dentist, lawyer, whatever. It's dishonest to agree to pay for goods or services and then not pay for them. It's also a bad testimony to the unsaved world, and it's also a bad testimony to other Christians. Um, and before I leave this uh, point, um, bills also, in addition to services or, or goods, they can also include taxes, tax bills, uh, automobile tickets, fines, 
uh, etc. And uh, these should all be taken care of as a matter of conscience and a matter of uh, scriptural obedience. And uh, that would be second in your priority of uh, dispersing your finances in these spending categories. Number one, God. Number two, bills. Number three, needs. I make a distinction, again, between these because um, sometimes we have uh, a bill due and we have something that we need or we think we need. And uh, sometimes people will neglect their bills to get what they think they need, incurring another bill, which they'll probably neglect later on when they need something else. Uh, you got to stop the cycle. All right, number three, your needs. After tithing and paying your bills, your next financial priority is your needs. Uh, remember, according to what we saw from Matthew chapter 6, this is something that God will take care of for us if we put him first. Uh, our needs have to do with food, clothing, and anything, anything else we need to get along in life. And uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And, you know, the truth of the matter is sometimes... Uh, people confuse their needs with their wants. And you've got to honestly assess what is a real need and what is a want when it comes to your spending. And uh, I've dealt with people that seem almost impossible. Uh, let, let me say this, put it this way. I, I've dealt with some people that seem, they, they seem almost incapable of doing this. To do this to them seems just virtually impossible. They can't discern between their needs and their wants. And uh, if you have this problem, you might need to seek uh, counsel from a godly Christian to help you to discern between the two. Because if you are continually overspending and digging yourself into a financial hole, uh, you need help. And you ought to get this counsel as soon as possible. Now, if we need to, the fact of the matter is we can usually get along with a lot less than we'd like to think. All right, number four, the fourth category of spending is wants. And after tithing, after paying your bills, after uh, purchasing your needs, now you can consider buying your wants. And let me say, it's okay for you to buy some wants. Uh, God not only supplies our need, that's what the promise is, but let's face it, even though that's the promise, he sometimes and often goes above and beyond our needs. First Timothy 6 verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now, I can testify that God has met my needs, and uh, God's met uh, above and beyond my needs. And I thank him for it. And um, I, I appreciate it. And, and I look around at other Christians, I see he's done the same things for them. You know, your wants, they might include uh, non, uh, non-sinful items that you enjoy. And, and really, that's what we're talking about. Non-sinful items. We're not saying uh, things that uh, would be wrong. But non-sinful items that you enjoy. Maybe going out to eat, recreational activities, uh, equipment to engage in those activities, vacations. Um, savings accounts, and any one of a number of things, uh, luxuries that are beyond needs. And um, the, if you put, put these things in this order and take care of those needs and, and, and wants and, and take care of uh, the Lord and take care of those bills in, in the proper order, God will take care of you. And, and this, I believe, as I look in the scriptures, is the biblical order of dispersing your finances, and I can testify it works. And um, I, I can testify in not only my own life, but in other people's lives, as I've seen it and counseled them, um, or just observed it in people that um, uh, were already doing it, that it does work. When something's broken, we say it's out of order. If you went to your favorite soda machine or uh, a machine of where you buy candy bar or snacks or whatever, 
uh, or you went to your office uh, copy machine and it wasn't working, they might, uh, each of those things might have a sign on it that says, out of order. And you know, when, when, in the Christian life, I find a lot of times when things are broken, they're not working, where we would put a sign out of order on it, it's because things are out of order. We don't have first things first. Perhaps your finances are broken because they are out of order. Perhaps your finances are out of order because they're out of order. To begin to fix them, get them back in order. God first, then pay your bills, then take care of your needs, and then take care of your wants. This is not necessarily an overnight fix, but it, uh, but overnight you can begin to fix it. And you consistently practice this, and uh, over time uh, the Lord will uh, he'll get your finances back in order. All right, finally, um, all, with all of our previous points being understood, let me give you the basic rule of sound finances. And the basic rule of sound financial living is this. Make sure your income is more than your outgo. That is, you've got to make sure that you've got more money coming in than you do going out, or at least as much. Now, this uh, principle is true for individuals. It's true for families. It's true for businesses. It's true for governments. It's true for churches, etc., etc., etc. When your outgo is more than your income, you dig yourself into a financial hole. And maybe I'm talking to somebody uh, saying, yeah, I'm there. I'm already there. Well, let me say to, say to you, if you're already in a financial hole, uh, don't give up. You can, you can potentially dig yourself out of this. But you've got to start uh, by making steps right now, and the quicker the better. And if you're already in a financial hole, I'm going to give you three basic things you can do to get out. Number one, pray. Don't discount prayer. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace so we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Need. Back to Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need. If you need help, you ask him for it. Uh, you might also consider fasting along with that prayer to get God's attention to help you out. Hey, desperate times come from, come by, desperate times call for desperate measures. And uh, I tell you, a double blessing with the fasting. You save a little bit of money on food, and you can use that to catch up financially. All right, secondly, if, you're, if, you have to try, if you're trying to dig yourself out of a financial hole, a second thing you can do and on, a, on, a, on a practical level in regard to your finances, you can decrease your outgo. In other words, to, to dig out of a financial hole, you can decrease your outgo. Let me say it in plain words. Uh, cut spending. Look for ways to cut spending. Uh, look for ways where you can cut out superfluous spending. Uh, you, you probably waste a lot of money, whoever you are. You know, there's a lot of superfluous things that we get that, that we could live without. And uh, in, in uh, better financial times, it might be okay to, to, to go ahead and spend it there. But when you're trying to dig out of a hole, it's not okay to spend it there. Uh, cutting out superfluous spending, if you'll do it, it's effectively like getting a raise because you're going to get more money. You're going to have more money to, to spend on what you need to spend it on. So the first thing to dig yourself out of a, a financial hole is pray. The second thing is uh, cut spending or decrease your outgo. And the third thing you can do is increase your income. Uh, one of the ways you might be able to do this, and I've done this before, I've, I've practiced this, um, is look around and see what you've got that you can sell. 
and there's a lot of ways to sell things. Um, you can uh, sell things. You can put an ad in a newspaper. There are some papers that might uh, allow you a free advertisement, um, or you might have to pay for it. And if you just don't want to spend the money to pay for it, I don't blame you. Um, but uh, you might be able to put it on. A, we have in our town here a local radio show. Uh, they call it Tradio. You might have something like that where you can call in and advertise what you've got for sale. Uh, and, um, and then people will call, call you to, to buy it if they're interested. Um, I'll tell you one, one great way we've got. Uh, and, of course, it's going to take some money, but uh, uh, you won't have to spend a lot of it until um, you make some money. And uh, we have access in this generation to eBay. And you can make money. There's some people that are that are making a lot of money on that, and you got to be wise with it. But uh, if you got something to sell and don't know where to sell it, you're likely to be able to connect with somebody that wants it. You're going to have to do your research to see if you can get uh, the right value. Uh, but um, look for things you can sell. Sometimes you can turn unneeded possessions into cash that'll help see you through a tough financial time. And another way you can e- increase your income is uh, look for a second part-time job, um, or uh, if you if it's you can't if it may, maybe instead of just a part time job with regular hours you could do some side jobs and something that you're good at um, or or something that just needs to be done maybe not the greatest at it but uh, you can rake leaves or mow lawns or shovel uh, walks or something um, look for something you can do to bring in extra money to to help get you out of the hole and uh, uh, let me say this and, and this kind of goes along with this. But sometimes people might want to borrow to help get themselves out of the hole, and sometimes people that aren't in the hole might want to borrow to get themselves in the hole, and uh, you've got to be aware of borrowing. The only excuse you ever have for borrowing is the same excuse you got for doing anything else. You better know God wants you to do it. Proverbs 22, verse 7 tells you something that everybody that borrows needs to consider before they borrow. It says, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so you will be effectively working for your creditor if you, if you borrow. And there may be some things that are very difficult to purchase without borrowing, but uh, there's some things that uh, you could purchase without out borrowing if you would just uh, be willing to, to save up your money uh, and wait until you get the money before you buy it. You need to learn to pray for wisdom about your financial decisions. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, be, be prayerful. Listen, be thankful for what the Lord has given you. And as a soldier of Jesus Christ, uh, Luke 3, verse 14 says, be content with your wages. That was a message to the soldiers on earth. But we're soldiers of Christ. We can, we can uh, uh, take that into consideration. Be content with your wages. And then remember this. In spite of all you do, sometimes, in spite of all you can do and all you do, uh, sometimes the Lord may allow you to go through financial trials just to help you to grow in faith and to trust in him. And, of course, the story of Job in the Bible shows us this. And yet even Job's story had a happy ending, didn't it? Job 42, verse 10, uh, God wound up giving Job twice as much as he had before. And uh, as James speaks about this in James 5, verse 11, it says, uh, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So uh, when it comes to the subject of uh, finances, uh, be obedient to the scriptures. And if it doesn't make good financial sense, hey, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
Amen. 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 Who'd like to go first? Well, all I can say is uh, it was very well done. Uh, a lot of information, good information, practical information, and I fit all the categories. <laughs> uh, I can I can attest uh, with my own personal testimony that that uh, what Pastor Strobel said is true. Uh, I'm thankful uh, for some people that guided me when I was a young Christian to to get involved in tithing right away, and it's never been an issue for me. I know it is for a lot of people, but it's never been an issue for me, and uh, uh, tithing and then giving offering above that, uh, my family and I have supported missionaries on our own uh, outside of our church, and uh, we've just done that practice, and we've seen the Lord uh, bless in areas that... You know, maybe it's not a check coming in, but maybe some of the breakdowns haven't occurred uh, that would have caused, you know, uh, an outgo of money, uh, illnesses or, or other things that would have cost us money didn't come. Uh, and uh, uh, some of the other things early on in our marriage where, you know, we were put to the test to see uh, whether we were going to be faithful in tithing. Uh, you know, we would look at the outgo, as Pastor Strobel called it, and we looked at the income, and there wasn't any way it was going to match up. Now, that's yeah. just what we had available. And somehow, and I can't explain how or why, but we paid our bills, and we skimped, and we scraped, and, and so forth, and still knowing that the outgo was more than the income, but somehow it all got taken care of in the end. Right. And... Um, I've just seen God uh, extremely faithful, and uh, uh, as he says, there's times when those tests and trials come up, and uh, he wants to see if you're going to stay faithful in spite of all that. So, praise the Lord for the lesson. It's a good one. Uh, it's one that, as as I heard him say, and I was saying amen uh, with the muted uh, mic, <laughs> uh, it's not something that we like to talk about because of the emphasis that's put on by others that get a bad rap, uh, and uh, they deservedly so, uh, because they abuse it, as Pastor Strobel mentioned. Uh, but uh, it's still in the Bible, as he said, and uh, it's uh, it's an important issue because you need to know what the Bible says about it instead of what some, I'll say charlatan, <laughs> tells Amen. you the Bible says about it. Amen. So praise the Lord. Good study. Amen. I've heard it said, too, before. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, well, it was just instituted in the Old Testament, and that's it, like Pastor Strobel said, you know. But like Pastor Strobel showed you, showed us it's in Genesis, also Genesis 14 and on, uh, before the Old Testament wasn't even even instituted, that uh, the tithe was there, and uh, and they and they gave it. And uh, one pastor that I heard that I thought was really good, and it stuck with me, is, I mean, they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. I mean, today we... We have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, we've got the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We're sealed into the day of redemption by that Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus Christ comes back, that Holy Spirit that sealed us is going to take us home. Uh, the other thing that we've got is that that even before the Old Testament and during the Old Testament, uh, they didn't have, uh, you know, what we have where we can just come boldly to the throne of grace. I mean, we can just come before God and just pray before him and stand right there. Uh, we don't have to go in the Holy of Holies and all that. Uh, and the other thing we also have uh, that they didn't have is a completed Bible. 
I mean, we have a fully completed. Bio. I mean, we can we can talk about so many things that we have that they didn't have back then, and they gave ten percent and even more of a tithe than than that. And uh, what he said was, and here we are. We've got all these things that God's given us, and we complain and gripe about giving ten percent. <laughs> And uh, I thought that was real good, and, I, and I've tried to apply it to my life. And, and he's like, you know, that should just be a base. That should just be, okay, this is what they gave was 10%, and it's talked about in the New Testament as well, uh, New Testament Christianity, about 10%, the tithe. Uh, how much more should we give than just the 10%? You know, we should give more. And, uh, and uh, you know, I've seen that in my life. You know, when I, I've been saved for a little, over, uh, a little under six years now, and uh, just from the very beginning, if there's a, you know any new Christians listening uh, that have maybe been saved for a year or whatever and really haven't given a lot, just give it some time. Keep praying about it, and because uh, you know I, I'm still not giving as much as I want to, of course. And I hope I'll never get to the point where I say I'm I'm giving too much, you know. But uh, you know, when I look back on what I used to give the first year I was saved, it's 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 amazing how much you know you grow in the Lord, and the Lord just keeps saying, oh, "Give it," you know, even though you don't think you can support yourself just keep giving it and i'll bless you and he has he's come through every single time so so praise the lord it was a good study amen i think like a lot of the things that uh, that we've talked about and and uh things that we've looked at you know the the lord knows your heart and uh, and i think it it comes out in 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 certain ways and this is one of the ways that uh that i think it's manifest you know that it's evidenced by and uh, no one else may know, but but God knows. God I'm knows what, what you're what you're doing and what you're not doing. And it's funny because I not too long ago I heard a a Christian uh, say to me, um, I think it was I, I think he was saying he doesn't give a tithe, and he, the reason was is because uh, God loves a cheerful giver, and since he couldn't be cheerful in giving a tithe, he wasn't <laughs> going to give a tithe. <laughs> nice, but but. But it was just an indication of his heart, you know, where he was at. That's right. And, and, That's right. Uh, so. maybe, maybe he'll get there someday. Yeah. Well, you know what it all boils down to? It, it, I mean, the, the basic common denominator in the whole thing is trust. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it, it all boils down to whether you trust God or not. I mean, he gives you the, the principles, he gives you the commands, and if you're able to trust him and prove him, he comes through all the time. Uh, if you if you can't trust him, you won't give. I mean, it's just like the the one that hid the talent. He you know he thought he was a hard and austere man, and and didn't basically didn't trust him and didn't give, <laughs> didn't yeah. put it to the users or whatever the uh, those that uh, uh, I've got the wrong term users. It's um, those that give interest, anyway. But anyway, mm-hmm. you get the point that I'm trying to talk about. It's all about mm-hmm. it's all about trust. Yeah. And then, if you can so. trust God with your eternal soul, you can't trust Him with your finances. That's it. <laughs> you know. So, but and I can understand that. I know Pastor Strobel kind of mentioned this, but I can understand that sometimes there's a reluctance to talk about this because it, it you know, sometimes it tends to hit close to home, yeah. and. Um, and the folks that you sometimes see on the radio or see on the TV and hear on the radio that uh, you know are, are 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 either preaching the prosperity gospel or or just looking for uh, for your money crooks uh, and and a lot of times that's what the lost folks will will hit us uh, you know on too is that oh they just want our money and that sort of thing but it's interesting here we are we're 
even though there's four of us on this podcast tonight, we're all in different locations and we're all at different churches. Yeah. And uh, so it's not like we're all at one church saying, you know, give. We're all at different places here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's, there's Christians, Bible-believing Christians, not just uh, around where we're at, but throughout the, throughout the country, throughout the world that, that have followed these principles and proven them to be true. Amen. All right. Well, thanks again, Pastor Strobel. Amen. Amen. I think um, that was the least amount of banter we've had in a while, in the beginning, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last one was probably the most. (laughs) That's right. We were due for a lull. Yeah. We like to change it up here a little bit now and then. (laughs) Start start differently. Well, it's good to get together with everyone again. Yeah, it sure is. And um, who's next? We're closing in on episode 50, you know, not too far away, which is a little bit of a milestone. Yeah. So that was 47. The next one's 48. I think I committed to doing one next. All yeah, right. That's what I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I knew if I. Do why not ghosts or something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do ghosts have wings? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Do they, man? <laughs> uh, I can't answer that now. You got to wait for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, uh, well, I, I've just, I'll keep you in suspense on what it's going to be. Ooh. All right. Anything else? No, I just like to say that I know what it's going to be. And I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> I know, too. Steve doesn't. It's all right. <laughs> I'm patient. Fortunately, Steve didn't hear your comment, Matt. Or <laughs> just ignoring it. It's probably the latter. Yeah, probably the latter. I'll see you this weekend. I'll, I'll get you. Uh-oh. You'll, you'll be in trouble. Uh-uh. <laughs> Even CJ's not going to help you out on this one. Oh, CJ's my bodyguard. That's why he's coming. Uh, like I said, it's not going to help anyway. <laughs> Bring all you want. I don't care. Uh, all right, guys. Lord willing, we'll see you by next time. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous begin the Guys, going where, going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.